Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of Chitu Chatu. We're your hosts, Ashok Kandabolo and Julian Escobedo Shepard. We're here with web sensation Zahira Kelly, a sociocultural critic and artist who analyzes and dismantles dominant power structure from a Latinegra feminist perspective. She writes a column called Dear Marooned Alien Princess for the New Inquiry and tweets at Bad Dominicana. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, so I actually want to ask you about Dear Marooned Alien Princess, the name. I really like it and would like to know where that came from. Oh, that's um, that's based like on a quote from Warsan Shire, Ooh. the poet. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm, s- I'm a super big fan of hers, and I guess she likes me too. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but um, she basically, it's actually from a tweet of hers. She tweeted like, you know, uh, marooned alien princess who existed partially in another dimension. And, you know, she's basically talking about um, her experience as like a refugee. Yeah. And all that. And like, you know, the whole bicultural stuff. And yeah yada yada so i can definitely identify with that as somebody who's like dominican american spent like half my life living living in dominican republic and Mm -hmm. the other half like in the u.s and you know kind of traversing all these worlds it's like you know it's like you end up like interdimensional you're like you know like an alien yeah (laughs) but it's cool because it has this like really um afrofuturistic notion about it too which i guess is what afrofuturism is Mm -hmm. essentially just a way to um to sort of transcend the bullshit (laughs) 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 i don't know (laughs) i don't know i really like that name (laughs) yeah yeah i think it just spoke to me yeah the whole like existing on so many different planes in so many different contexts you know yeah for sure switching from all of that so it's like you know you exist in another dimension sort of kind of as well yeah yeah Awesome. Also, I'm a sci-fi nerd, so. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Can we talk more about that? (laughs) Holy shit. Um, Yeah, (laughs) sci-fi. Are you talking, like, books? Um, No, I'm talking, like, in general, just, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, like, I hadn't heard about Afrofuturism, but I was always interested in sort of, like, you know, the fantasy aspect of sci-fi. And, you know, I would write, like, little stuff like that like of somebody who's turning into a a plant or something like that (laughs) you know like i'm turning into a plant creature but you know like i've always been into that basically and i don't know maybe it's probably um linking back to the whole feeling like an alien you know like an other like you know all that stuff kind of like fits in you know i mean i think that's why so many people get into like you know x-men and shit like that you know like and and i I feel like POC's relations to sci-fi is it's so interesting and so much deeper because it's a way of like not having to play your role, not having to exactly. be this representative of all other Indian people. Uh, I, I was I was reading Octavia Butler for the first time when I was in Indi- in India at my grandmother's house uh, on a BlackBerry, which is mad weird because it was the only like phone device I had, so I, it was like a thousand page blackberry book because the screen was so small i remember just laying on a cot with my grandmother reading that first book of i forget the name of the trilogy it was i don't know it was a very very weird situation (laughs) is that the end of the story that's the end of the story yeah (laughs) it was nice 
cool. <laughs> um, to sort of take it back um, to the beginning, this is it's been two and a half years since our last podcast. Um, and part of that is, I don't really know what it is. I think we got really busy, mm. right? You got really busy and uh, every time I would ask, a lot of guests would keep delaying and rescheduling and then it would fall we would not think about it for two or three months and then we did it now i'm glad we did it now and that you are here so you you're visiting from savannah what is it like living in savannah um i've been there like a couple years um savannah it's i mean it's really cute um i can't tell you that there's much to do there sorry somebody from savannah is gonna be really fucking angry right now. <laughs> how dare you we have an awesome the savannah tourism here. board is gonna lodge a formal complaint <laughs> the you two know, dudes at the savannah yeah. <laughs> i mean it's pretty and you know the economy is stable like what can i say i'm there for really fucking practical ass reasons <laughs> uh-huh. you've lived in the bronx right yeah i grew up like in the bronx and um i was born manhattan raised in the bronx um and partially in the Dominican Republic. But yeah, I've also lived in Miami, Atlanta, Hawaii. Whoa. For a few years each. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going to end up after Savannah. Right. I, I just can't imagine living in Hawaii and then leaving. <laughs> I, I didn't want to. It's just so fucking expensive. Is it? Oh, man. Yeah, and like pay is like Savannah pay, but like New York expensive. So it just does not fucking correlate. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so weird yeah wow it just, it's hard it's tough did you like living in miami i feel like i would want to live in miami at some point in my life i lived in miami beach and it was honestly like being on vacation every fucking day but you know that's another thing like the fucking economy fell there you know yeah. like half the businesses on south beach are boarded up mm-hmm. you know like it's kind of like on a downswing so real pretty but like who can afford that shit either you know yeah for real um i think that one of the reasons that i like miami is that it feels like it's like new york in like the melting pot sense but it's like like all caribbean people (laughs) and it's awesome right like almost miami has this weird vibe it's like it's almost like a caribbean like a latin american caribbean island but like yeah in the u.s like even the the architecture you know and then you go outside and literally every time i went outside it was like a fucking sitcom i would hear guantanamera yeah yeah out of somebody's fucking window yeah. <laughs> and it's like the architecture is the kind of architecture you see in like cuba or puerto rico or the yeah. Dominican republic or something so it's like really trippy in that sense it's like you're in the u.s but it's like a whole different context yeah. you go to a supermarket nobody speaks english yeah which is you know? like the best <laughs> like i'm like yeah like this is like my it seems almost like a miami is like my platonic ideal for a city i think <laughs> like and not only that but like you go to miami and like you know a supermarket next to me it was like it was an east indian supermarket and they speak spanish they're like totally fluent in spanish yeah. and they make cuban food but like sort of like with an east indian twist and it was like that shit was the most bomb shit ever (laughs) you know i'm just like it's like a really really cool blend of cultures but like sadly it's also getting gentrified where i lived so you know how that works like i always i always like the phrase east indian because it's like it's very unique to new york and the tri-state area it's like when people say spanish i feel (laughs) Like, that's not proper, but I feel like a lot of people right. let it's it pass because it's so New York. Because yeah. I remember we were we were doing um, 
Combat Jacks radio show, and he kept he kept he kept saying East Indian. I hadn't heard that in a while since I was a kid, but it makes sense because like socioeconomically, there would be more West Indian and Black and Latino people hanging out in New York than there would be East Indians. So, you know, there's a billion people in India, but in relate in in that relation, right. we are it, totally like we relate to them through West yeah. Indians. We're like the other thing. I, I always thought that was an interesting yeah. peculiar. The West Indies, not just word. that, but like you know. When you say Indian, like, it can mean so many things. Right. Yeah, right? for real. Right. And, like, you know, I'm West Indian, so it kind of, like, it all kind of, yeah. It's definitely yeah. contextual, you know? Um, when I first moved here and first heard Spanish, like, as a context, I it would make me really angry. Because I'm like, I'm not fucking Spanish. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I actually probably am, honestly, like, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, it made me so angry. And now I've obviously like learned to accept it having lived here like 11 years. And But but it, it pissed me off. It made me angry. I still don't like it. People are like, so are you yeah. black or Spanish? I don't get it. Like, Yo, well, that, that's a whole nother oh, fucking yeah. thing right there, right? It's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miro, Miro's, uh, the kid Miro on Twitter's, uh, one of his lines is, uh, uh, me no black, me Dominican. He just yells that anytime somebody <laughs> says that because he heard that so much when he was growing up from like his uncles and people that right. he knew. <laughs> yeah, that shit was always confusing as fuck to me. Like my dad would be like, "I'm not black, I'm Dominican," and I'm like looking at him like, "I'll make you, you look like a black guy to me, but I'm just yeah. gonna let you be, I guess." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know well, that's all right. <laughs> um, do you have any tattoos? I do. I have like seven or eight tattoos. Whoa, cool. They're like all covered right now, but like, yeah. I have like flowers here, I have like a black mermaid, um, a revolver. I have like a graffiti piece over here, um, some more flowers, like a sort of Japanese piece like on my lower back. Yeah, these two I did myself. Whoa, what? Yeah, I tattooed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, okay, so <laughs> tattooing yourself it seems like a dicey prospect or at least like a because i feel like i would be if i was doing that i would just like totally fuck it up be, out of pain like, I feel like with, with the hurts. tattoo pen you're talking right not like yeah, a like stick with and poke. tattoo machine yeah, yeah. sweet like yeah and beautiful like oh i don't know uh, yeah but yeah no um i feel like it actually hurt less then when other people are doing it, probably because I'm so busy concentrating on not fucking up the lines. Right. <laughs> you know? That the pain is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. The pain is kind of like secondary. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm just like, I don't want to do some fucked up shit on myself. So. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How'd you yeah. pick up tattooing? Um, just I learned through my partner. Um, basically, yeah, I've been doing it for a really long time. And then... Um, I've always done a lot of artwork, so it just kind of like naturally happened. Right. It like, you so it's just like learning so to yeah, draw like with a new I, thing. My first tattoo was like, he was like, you can do anything on me. I'm like, anything? He's like a big, tough guy, you know, like <laughs> super masculine. He has like snakes and skulls. And, you know, I'm like, I'm going to balance you out. So I did like a unicorn, you know, with like a rainbow and a star, like, you know. Like, oh follow God. your dreams. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, honest thought. <laughs> you have to have that shit forever now. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That was my story. 
Um, so actually, yeah, I was gonna ask you what you mean by that you're an artist, but you're like that, like that's part of your art, right? Right. Like, like I do yeah. tattoos. Um, I do like um, pinup photography, like with women of color. Um, I do like pinups. I do paintings. I do, you know, like I do design clothing design. I've done that, you know, like wardrobe styling. Like I've done all this stuff. Like it all runs into each other, honestly. Right. You know, like it's just natural. Yeah, like I, I, I write as well. Like I sing and all this kind of shit. Like, but you know, it all just runs into each other, honestly. It all blends. <laughs> yeah, this is so awesome. I'm like. You, you you contain multitudes like there's so, like for real though I'm like I'm like whoa because you know I feel like I've been following you on Twitter for a, a couple years at least and like Twitter just doesn't like <laughs> it doesn't illustrate what the dimensions of a person the limitations of Twitter uh, you can't just tweet I'm good at singing <laughs> like, for no reason <laughs> right. <laughs> right yeah no and I mean I feel like a lot of people, like, they see Twitter and they really think that that is all I am. And I'm like, I exist offline. Right. Yeah. I'm not only the stuff that I tweet. Right, right. <laughs> like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a one-dimensional freaking box or something. Like, I don't even know. Do you remember the first time you went on the internet? Oh, man. See, I was actually late to the internet. The first time I probably went on the internet was, like, at a public library in the Bronx. And I probably printed out lots of stuff from the Romeo and Juliet film. <laughs> yeah. Like, back then, that was like, fuck it, I don't know, 96, 97 yeah, or something yeah. like that. And then, like, I was really late. Like, my family didn't even have a computer until I bought one when I was, like, 19 or 20. Like, that was the first computer in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I don't know. That's how that happened. And it was like an old ass computer, like an old ass used computer that was like way, way outdated. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was already half computer by the time I was like 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ashok knows all sorts of like weird, obsolete code, code, right? Don't you know like weird? Not, like, I mean, you're making me sound like cooler than I am. <laughs> I just know like C++, like C++ you know, this shit. That shit is complicated as hell though. Yeah, so but I mean, that's... I, when I was in when I was in high school, I went to Stuyvesant. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be like a smart kid. I'm gonna do some computer shit. I like computers." When I was like 13, 14, and then the two like two things kind of happened at once. Like the whole like when I was 15 or 16, I started smoking weed and like having feelings. So I was like, "Oh, like I don't." So that was like, "Oh, I don't care about computers anymore." And also, I started meeting kids who also like computers and started seeing what those types of people were like. Not that they can be different ways, but you know, they were very much in that kind of Silicon Valley feelingless, don't get it type people. And, and I was like, I don't like these people who tend to do this thing that I want to do. And then the more important thing is once it actually, once I started taking more advanced classes, I was like, yo, I'm really bad at math. Like I just wasn't, <laughs> even if I wanted to do it, I was like, yo, I can't do this shit because yeah, it's really hard. That's kind of my problem. Yeah. I can't add or subtract like that shit is impossible shit. like I just super impossible out. yeah agreed i still <laughs> am am embarrassed to admit this but i still like have to do that shit on my fingers yeah like a like me. a four-year-old like, yeah i'm like <laughs> give me a, a sentence and i will edit the shit out of that and i will like make it good but I don't know what right, two know. plus what is four that? is. Does that mean left brain or right brain? I don't know, but whatever yeah. it is, I'm only on one side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
Do you okay? Well, I really want to ask you about Drake and your feelings on Drake. Drake, <laughs> yeah, I the know. Ultimate simp, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, because I feel like Drake inspires. He's not like Kanye, and that Kanye inspires like really strong feelings either way from people. Kanye inspires like a lot of mediocre feelings from people, where they're like, "Yeah, I kind of like Drake," like, or they're like, "I kind of hate Drake," but. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm, I guess that's not like, people do feel really strongly about him, but that's how I feel that, I don't know. I feel a lot, a lot of his appeal is that he is the ex- exceptional, unexceptional guy. Yeah. Like he's like the best guy at talking to a girl at a nightclub. He's, he's, he likes to front like he's the best guy at like looking at new BMWs on the internet with his friend on a phone. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Kanye's talking about like all this crazy shit and all this clothing is so like extreme. And he was, you know, he gets into some crazy thing where he tweets like 20 things about how he's starting an institution that will take over the government and be the new government and stuff. Drake's not like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drake's like, I want to, I would eat mashed potatoes with, with Drake. Like that's like. <laughs> Drake's audience is also like super young girls. Like he has this audience that like, I haven't really seen other rappers like I don't even get it you know like the biggest Drake fan I know is like my cousin who just turned 17 (laughs) and like she's been on him like forever so it's like it's all these like 14 year old girls like I heard this live song like this live version of like take care and I was like so amazed because like the audience is yelling out every single lyric and you know it's not exactly simple or whatever and it's all you can tell it's like all girls and they're all yelling every single lyric you know not just the hook you know what I'm saying? And I'm just, like, amazed. Like, yo, this dude has so much pull with, like, this set of people. Like, these young girls are like, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like the fucking Beatles or something. I don't even know. Like, Drake is weird. But, I mean, I don't know. He's obviously um, the number one sympathetic pimp out there. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> That's, like, his whole shtick, the simping. <laughs> I feel like his like motivations and agenda are much more difficult to parse. Like Kanye is a maniac; he's an egomaniac or whatever. So, and like, he's like a nice egomaniac. He's a nice egomaniac. Like he has that, but he's also like a funny guy, and he wants to be like, you know, uh, your mom's favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like that's kind of like why I don't trust Drake. Like I don't trust Drake, and I feel like his music. Um, like as like as a woman, I don't trust Drake. You know what I mean? Like, why should you? Like, he's he's right? really open about admitting that he's just kind of like a fuckboy. You know, like, yeah. he's like <laughs> I ain't shit. You know, like whatever. I'm just gonna kick you around or whatever. But come on, girl, just right. You know? That's like he's like the dude who's like I'm so emotional. He uses he's being so emotional to try to fuck you. Mm-hmm. And like I would I prefer just like you know someone who puts it straight out there like even if it's disgusting and like misogynistic at least i know where i stand with you you know what i mean i like a shadi t-girl interrupting on twitter's take on it which is like you know but the other thing is like you know okay like most of these dudes ain't shit anyway (laughs) you know and they're not even trying to be nice but you know drake will be like i ain't shit i'm a fuck boy but like i'll pay off your student loans honey (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) yes that is that is perfect (laughs) I think I'm back to liking Drake. <laughs> right. He's like, you need snow tires? You know, do I need to get you like? 
<laughs> it's like, you know, you can be with like a, a stingy ass fuck boy, or you can be with like a fuck boy who treats you nice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> With the supreme welcome mat at his bedside. <laughs> like, right. But Drake also has that experience shower. I feel like I've talked about this before in this fucking podcast. Cause uh, I'm obs- I didn't, not in relation to Drake. You talk no. About the experience I'm obsessed with experience showers, just the idea of them. Like those, like, and Drake has one. Drake bought one where it's like those like really crazy showers where you can go in and they have like colors and they emit like colored lights and they admit emit like like lavender scent or whatever like the idea of showering in that sounds really cool it's like showering at a rave that sounds fucking stressful (laughs) (laughs) can i fucking relax yeah true (laughs) i'm not trying to have like an epileptic attack in the fucking shower (laughs) like and it's just another light bulb like the oh the scent is out where I gotta order a three pack of lavender experience shower scent on Amazon, work on the shipping on that. Yeah, but that's my OCD take on, on the experience showers. Yeah, I don't know. That might be like overstimulating for me. I yeah. don't know. But you, you gotta ever, be into it. Like maybe that shit is what I've you never want. had a massage, I've never been in a sauna. I wanna do aromatherapy. I think I, I buy into it. I mean, it's definitely real. Cause you know, you smell like someone's wearing some sort of perfume or you walk by some sort of smell and then it's. You just like get transported back. I feel like a controlled aromatherapy trip or journey would be like like super powerful, and I'd just be like in another world. I feel like I could be transported to another world. As long world. as it's not like walking by, like you know, Bath and Body Works. At yeah. Mall, which like I run past that thing because yeah. like my nose cannot <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that's what you know aromatherapy. Okay. Do you light incense or candles? Do you do yeah. any of that shit? Yeah, I guess. Not really. You're not huge there. into it? Nah. I'm nah. a big incense person. But it's hard. You know? <laughs> it's it's hard. I like how tea <laughs> makes my house smell. Tea? Tea smells good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you have a sensitive nose. I do. Yeah. I, I was like, do. you smell tea strongly? <laughs> yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, like if you boil like, you know, cinnamon and like oh. cloves and stuff. Oh, like, right, right. Like it real. makes your house yeah. smell like awesome. True. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about Cuban food briefly. Mm-hmm. I know very little about Dominican food and Cuban food and Puerto Rican food. Is there a, ma- a vast difference between Dominican and Puerto Rican food? There isn't. I mean, honestly, it's really similar. I mean, it's not the same. Like, there's dishes that are, like, variations or whatever. I mean, even in the same Dominican Republic, you know, you're going to go to, like, a different family's house in the same body, and they're going to cook stuff differently. Yeah. But, like, it's mainly, you know, the same basics. You know, there's plantains, there's yuca and rice beans and some kind of meat every fucking day of your life, Uh (laughs) basically. Which sounds all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean... So yeah, I mean it's pretty, it's pretty similar. What is that? Uh, mangu is that pl- uh, big plantain cone with meat in it? Oh, that's mofongo. Mofongo. Yeah, that's Puerto Rican, but mangu is like practically the same thing. Okay, so mofongo I'm not is like man, is like mangu with like meat inside. Okay. Whereas mangu is just like you know just mashed plantains without the meat. Nah, okay, and it's, yeah, okay, yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm. Is there's a there's a spot I've never had either of those, I've, and there's a place people keep telling me to go. I think it's called House of Mofongo. Which is like the illest name of anything that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, I think it's in the Bronx. It might be of town. Yeah, you should have. House of Mafungo. I'm actually not. I mean, this is I don't know if it's good or not. This is the place to try that shit. <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere in the country, I don't know. I can't recommend yeah. it. Yeah. 
House of Fungo sounds like the 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 like Vogue crew that I want to. No, it sounds like the Vogue crew that I want to join. Like I'm straight up like. Like House of Mofungo's house mother is the illest house mother. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I have this thing where I feel like I I grew up. It was like it. I didn't eat vegetables until I was like twenty or something because of right because I'm like I grew up eating like I mean I guess like green chili like what. Wh- was a thing when I went when I went to your mom's house that was the only uh vegetable that I ate when I was there what, which was what? the green, green chili, chili or chili sauce whatever you call it yeah like I think it was just like all like meat and tortillas and like that's it like I didn't eat vegetables and we lived in Wyoming so it was like also that compounded by like there's cows everywhere so it was just like steak I don't know yeah, but, um, that was, I mean, yeah. Also, it's like everybody can't afford that shit. Like, I go to a supermarket right. all the time. I can't afford all the produce that I want to get. Yeah. Okay. It's pricey. It is. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, I was a vegetarian for many, many years, and so is Julianne. And I grew up like South Indians, like, just don't eat meat as much as other people do. And it's, a, it's like a hyper lush part of the world. I mean, white people ruin the world trying to get to South India. Like exactly. that's kind of like the history yeah, that's of. That's why they call us all Indians. Exactly. You know? That's why we're all confused. Like, is it Indian, Indian, or Indian? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um. So, like, yeah, like my parents would eat chicken once a week, but my mom wouldn't eat it because the process of cooking meat was so gross to her that she could never eat it afterwards. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I, I didn't eat that much meat growing up. I had fish for the first time when I was, like, 17. Growing up, it was, like, I ate pizza, like, after school or whatever, Chinese, take out Chinese and Indian food, and that was it. Like, I never had anything. And I guess, I don't know, that's probably, I'm not, it's probably, like, pretty common. I just, I didn't have, like, Thai food till I was 19, and I had to leave New York. I went to Seattle to visit my brother. And that was my first, like, trip I ever went on outside of New York. And then I had sushi and Thai food on the same day. This story is going nowhere. It was mind blowing, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think I didn't try different foods until I was like, you know, I had my own job and I was like in my twenties already. Like, my mom couldn't even afford that shit. It was just like whatever. You're eating Dominican food or whatever. It's a lot healthier and like than a lot of the American shit, anyways. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. You know, but yeah, I was definitely late in the game for everything else. (laughs) I mean, I guess you've traveled a lot in the course of your life, but. Have you, do you, I've never had much interest in traveling or seeing the world, and I didn't until I, like, when I was in Das Races, we flew, flew around on tour, but it's not the same as, like, spending time anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I've never really had the impulse to travel other than I need to get out of New York. Let me leave New York so that when I get back to New York, I'm normal again and I like it again. That's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like my favorite part of traveling is like when I'm back and I'm like, ah, I miss this shit. Yeah, I think that for a while I wanted to know what it was like to live in different places. Like mm-hmm. I got kind of like a thrill out of it. I kept moving every few years and now I'm really fucking over it. I'm like, can I just have like one steady place to be and then maybe I'll visit somewhere and just come back home. And it's like, Was the thrill yeah. like I'm going to like be a new person here nobody knows me what was the thrill of like because that sounds really awesome i mean (laughs) i I always ended up you know just with like no community and just like isolated or whatever Uh and that was actually cool for a while like 
Um, I was used to the Dominican way where everybody's up in your fucking business all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you have no freaking private life. <laughs> so it was like really cool being isolated. And then like after like maybe a decade, I was like, so it kind of sucks being isolated though <laughs> after a while. Cause like you really don't have anybody to count on. There's no support network or anything. Everybody's far as fuck that you want to see or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of like just came back to like let me just be an old lady and be stable now <laughs> did you develop <laughs> you know? your like internet presence when in that period of time when you were isolated or? um yeah i definitely did i uh-huh. feel like um it began when i went to hawaii and i was like super isolated over there uh-huh. i was like the only black girl the only latina like, i was about to ask you yeah. in honolulu because honolulu yeah. is like super asian and just a dash of white and like some Polynesian people. Yeah. So, you know, that was like really trippy. I was tired as hell of Dominican food. And then I went to Hawaii and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. You know, supermarkets are like two aisles of American food and then like 55 aisles of like East Asian food that I can't read the packaging or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, wow. So like, what the fuck am I eating here? Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I remember one thing, this is just irrelevant, but they, they had some shit called, I think, Spam Wasubi at the 7-Elevens. It was like... Spam Wasubi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so good. I miss it. It was, a, it was a chunk of Spam and rice wrapped in seaweed. And it was right. like a dollar awesome. and huge. I ate a lot of Spam Wasubi. Yeah, I feel like I remember when you were there, you would just call me and just only talk about Spam Wasubi. Because I'm like the whack. I'm like honestly so whack and like terrible at relaxing and I never was into beaches and shit like that. So like everybody was like, we're fucking Hawaii. And we were on the North Shore, right? Where all like people surf and shit. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yo, I'm going to walk to 7-Eleven. <laughs> that was like my whole shit was like going to 7-Eleven yeah, and like I chilling. Li- I lived like in Honolulu. I lived in Waikiki at first and then I like moved elsewhere with like the regular people because Waikiki is very touristy very like transient or Waikiki is, uh, is an island is a, or it's a part like a, of the a part of Oahu which is like the island where most people live okay whatever Waikiki okay. is part of like Honolulu or whatever yeah Waikiki is a strip where everybody who goes right like, no, you know no, no, like no. every tourist everybody who goes there to visit like you go to the Waikiki strip yeah or whatever but yeah, it's not exactly an experience of local life <laughs> either. It was know? weird. The the guy we was with, uh, we were with this dude Malosi who grew up there, uh, who's part of Samoan. But the kid we were with when we were in Waikiki was this white kid. Probably shouldn't say his name. And then he was pointing out like, <laughs> there's like a lot of uh, like old fashioned, um, well, like there would be prostitutes wearing heel clear large mm-hmm. heels. Which is like a thing I didn't think was real. Growing up, I heard that that used to be a thing. And then when I went to San Francisco like seven years ago when we were driving around in uh, the Tenderloin, there would be prostitutes wearing tall, see-through heels. And then they were like, those are prostitutes. And I was like, whoa. And then I saw that in Waikiki. And then this dude that we were riding around with was really gross and kept trying to get us to, to, to... he wanted to engage us in some sort of group sex act with him who we had just met before and then we're like i thought you were trying to show us why i never told you the story i thought i thought we were just you were just showing us why kiki where the tourists are and then it ended up being this weird fight that we had with this guy but yeah that's my story yeah the Waikiki <laughs> strip is funny like that like i used to work like across from like where girls would get dropped off every mm. evening yeah you know and the cops I- would be right there like 
whatever would seem to be I'm, this i'm guessing would seem to be like a strong element of white dude sex tourism type thing it's that i didn't know was going it's I that mean, kind of deal right noticed, i don't know if they had them when you were there but they have like you know catalogs of oh girls, god kind of no. like you do in vegas oh never never knew. like in vegas like um you know on oh every where it's corner, legalized like, the, not, like right. the little magazines or whatever like you yeah. can choose and call whoever you want like they definitely have that in uh hawaii it's a very um it's definitely a sex touristy vibe and it's very fetishy. Yeah. You know, that's that's what everybody's like, like there for there. like Asian girls or Polynesian girls or some shit like yeah. that. Like a lot of Japanese tourists go yeah. there for that. And like a lot of white dudes, too. You know, right. like it's definitely um, it reminds me, honestly, of where I grew up in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in a, I have grew up in Puerto Plata, which is also kind of like a sex tourism hub. Uh-huh. So like I'm like used to that and like used to the vibe of you, you know that about that come specifically before. to touch yeah. your fucking body, you know, because yeah. you're like the other, right, or whatever. And so, it's just blatant because right. there's because you can just grease everything with so much money right. to make it as blatant and to be obvious. Honest, yeah. New York has that kind of vibe now too. Uh huh. You know, like all these people that are coming in to gentrify, yeah. the way that the white dudes look at you, like they're here for that too. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? They're here to touch colored girls. Right, right. And <laughs> or, or like meet one if right. they're from like God like knows that's where. That's part of the experience. Big time. Yeah. Okay. Like it's like they I want to move to New York where people are loud and like say what they want, but I'm not going to be that way and I'm not going to integrate in any true sense mm-hmm. so you know it's parasitic shit i guess yeah yeah it's revolting um i want to actually <coughs> take it back sorry <laughs> um <laughs> to um talking about like your internet presence is one thing that i think that is really awesome about what you do on twitter is you take you break down all these like pretty complex well like what your bio says where you're breaking down like power structure and you're breaking down all these like really complex ideas into tweets in a way that's super easy to understand and stuff Mm -hmm. how did you start doing that um i think it just happened organically um i started out with the whole like internet presence stuff like on a where i met actually shadi i know her actually from this hair board like this black girl hair board and like eventually i was like you know i guess known there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were angry, talking about like, "You think she's God?" <laughs> you know, because I had like, you know, fans or whatever. Oh like, I still have people who stalk me. Like, do you still have hair albums? You know, like, <laughs> who like find me on Twitter and they're like asking me about my hair. But like, you know, honestly, that space, like, it was just a bunch of black women talking about like pop culture and social cultural stuff. Yeah. And you know, from all walks of life. And it's like that was like a training ground, not just for that, right. for like for all the arguments that happen on the uh-huh. internet. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know, like it's like we got out of there and like that was like our boot camp you know what i'm saying we ended up on tumblr and we kept you know we continued that line of whatever like i went to tumblr just to talk about like afro-latina identity or whatever because i had seen like there were so many women of color doing awesome stuff on there and i was like oh my god like i finally found a fucking space with people like me yeah so like i don't know it just kind of like went on from there like one minute I have like zero followers. I'm not like really trying to get followers. The next thing I have like 20,000 and I'm like, so, okay. And you know, all the hate that comes with that and all the love as well, Sure. Mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it just kind of like happened organically. 
like this is stuff that we talk about every day yeah you know so it comes out that way like we're not like you know academics or whatever like we really do talk about this in our daily life and then we write about it right and i feel like with your twitter it's a lot of like i have this thing where on social media i like to i call it one-to-one I want the way that I express myself to be as close to how I would speak to a human being in real life in terms of the language I use and the words I use as possible, just because that's how I feel comfortable. I mean, I'll make dumb jokes and shit, but that's, and I'll use a different tone, but that's something else. But I like to just keep it very consistent and coherent because that's what makes me comfortable. And I feel like you do that. But the I feel like the difference is I'm also like fairly incapable of like speaking academically. Like I just... When I try to do it, I sound dumb like I did earlier in the podcast like four times already. <laughs> but like you will sometimes will just tweet a bunch of stuff in academic language. And I was like, I don't even know what these words mean. <laughs> I feel it's the difference. So, I mean, I, I have no choice. <laughs> but I also like I also like I mean, yeah, I would just like it to be. Like my brother does, my brother's a stand-up comic and, and, and you know, does a lot of progressive political stuff and was a social worker and stuff like that. And like, it's a real, like, it takes a village sort of thing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people that I connect with when I talk about race or, and stuff like that, my brother would be incapable of connecting with, with the way that he approaches it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, those people aren't interested in comedy or aren't, aren't interested in the way that my brother talks about race or you know and a lot of the a lot of stuff a lot of race stuff i feel it's like it often recenters white people when you talk about like oppression right. there's so much recentering of white people and i'm like sometimes i'm like all right that's obviously necessary and very important but but can't like sometimes i'm like i just don't want to think or be like i don't want to center white people or think about white people or think about myself in relation to white people i would just want to talk the way that i talk and about the things that i want to talk about and I feel like, I don't know, I've kind of lost myself here, but I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do that a lot. I, I very purposely um, center, like, you know, very specific marginal groups. Right. And, like, people are, like, weirded out by it. If anything, I get a lot of, like, why aren't you more nuanced? But really what they mean by that is why don't you talk about white people? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'm like... You guys have every other fucking space ever. Right. I don't need to talk about you anymore. Everybody knows your fucking life. Like, you don't need more from me. And and it's like, (laughs) why does, like, why do you, why do I have to understand or be, or have a connection to every single thing you tweet? Yeah. I'm like, I read it. So it's like an open message where it's like a way to think about it. It's like a hypothetical audience that's always there is Mm -hmm. what I like about Twitter. You know, whether it's like I feel strongly about this thing or there's some joke I want to make and and my friend's not around. I'm like, oh, there's this audience that's always there Mm -hmm. and and a way for me to always express myself. If you don't understand it or uh, you don't, you know, feel a way about it, that's fine. Read it and move on. It's like, why do you have to feel like you're not being catered to to or spoken to? It's super, super annoying. Also regarding um why aren't you more nuanced like some of that shit just isn't nuanced like (laughs) racism is like the most ham-fisted ass thing on the planet you know what i mean like right but they also (laughs) ignore all the nuance that we offer right because it's not about white people you right, know, exactly. so that they don't really want nuance. Right. They ash, they bypass all of that shit. Right. Like, yeah, that would you know? be nuance for them <laughs> right. to learn something new exactly. about something they don't know about is what nuance is. Exactly. I think. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they don't actually want that. No, they're just like, can you talk about things that I'm familiar with? You know, like white people stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really heartening to know this history also about like the idea of 
black women in a hair group having a space to talk about these things that's like contained in itself you know what i mean like you wouldn't like i don't know you'd like say you're like looking for if you're a person who is not a black woman and you're looking for like black women to berate on the internet you probably wouldn't necessarily go find think that you would go find like political talk in like a hair right you know what i mean so it's like undercover on in right, out, o- I mean, in the like, open that's how women's spaces work i know that at yeah. least with us you know like the hair salon in the kitchen that's where a lot of this talk goes on right you know, mm-hmm. we're not at fucking conferences we're not at the freaking symposium or whatever the fuck <laughs> you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i just now started getting invited to panels nobody was trying to get me in that space so right. where do you talk amongst yourselves as women right the freaking hair salon the kitchen you know your house your living room or something like that and it's like the hair board was like kind of an extension of that like you Mm -hmm. know this is like kind of like sitting at the hair salon just you know breaking shit down you know and i feel like that's kind of like where most of the theorizing and thinking actually happens for us and it's really ignored obviously that's so real you know yeah. And it's like, I, I remember when I first started using the internet, I was like 10 or 11 and it wasn't like a big popular thing. And I was like, yo, this is like such a like amazing tool of, for dissecting, you know, for disseminating information and, 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 and talking to people around the world, which it is. Then like, I feel like 10 years later in 2005, I'm like, this is just a place where people look at pornography and spread hate. And you know what I mean? So I feel like, that history which is a history that like like there's all these books about like how something like punk started and like we used to hang out here and then we then then this venue got built and we started hanging out there when you were talking about that i felt that same sort of sense of like we're hearing the history of how a thing got started but but where are you where are you going to hear this story nowhere you know but that and to think about like social media and tumblr and the internet is like this vital important powerful tool for people to connect and and create movements is amazing Mm -hmm. to think of tumblr is more than like oh larry david gifts or whatever the fuck you know what i mean (laughs) it's like a way where people like Mm -hmm. made these important connections that would be impossible otherwise i feel it's like reclaiming the internet you know from fucking san francisco white it absolutely is like like i said like a lot of the people that follow me like actually know me from like the natural hair movement because like before it was like a big thing the only place that we could see each other was like on folky Faki, how do you pronounce that but faki.com it's like a photo album site and that's where actually we would see other women with natural hair because wherever we were living it's like nobody had it nobody was doing this we would give each other tips on how to do our hair and you know the politics would also obviously the politic talk right right would obviously follow and it was like you know that is how we supported each other Mm -hmm. you know in trying to defy you know white supremacy basically and then eventually it was big and it's like now you look around and there's like a bunch of girls with like kinky curly hair everywhere but it's like that wasn't always the case and it started off like you know with us bonding over the internet that way you know like in those spaces that nobody was checking for does that i mean is that a race because i feel like i've never really heard that as far as like you know reading about natural hair movement and like i is that an erased thing maybe of course it is yeah you know nobody the internet um uh when it comes to black girls like you know if anything it's being co-opted now they're right. like love your curls but they're talking about white girl curls yo that you thing know, in the new york times bypassed <laughs> us. don't be embarrassed of your curls right white women, but it's yeah. like or hi, you still or... deny us jobs and kick us out of school for yeah. having you know 
afro hair so but you're just gonna bypass that so it's absolutely erased in every sense yeah well yeah i mean actually if you walk down the block there's this um there's this big ass um like wheat paste poster of um cara delavine the white model with baby hairs it's like a dkny thing like so it's an yeah an ad for dkny and it's like not only is it that but it's like you know you're seeing like these high fashion models like white ones wearing like baby hair wearing box braids and like and that's cool but again yeah just like all you the said stuff that they trash uh, us for that, oh, that you're you would so ghetto and low with these baby hairs and right like, it's all the rage we're so hip right it's like <laughs> oh that's cool like you're Super not gonna edgy. get fired for wearing that but no, no. right it's, it's just no they're not gonna get fired for that people are gonna be like you're still edgy <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i have a question about so you're talking about these uh communities insert communities that you had created do you feel like when you made the move to like Twitter, it was like to like the open waters? Cause now you're going to get, you know, it's not a supporting nurturing community per se. You know what I mean? Was there a like, well, we're going to do this shit now. I mean, we were on Tumblr for years. I feel, like, I feel like it'd be like, like yeah, getting ready know, for like war or some shit. Stuff and Reddit <laughs> yeah. stuff that's happening. Like they were doing that to us back then, uh. you know, and um, a lot of us actually left Tumblr and stopped blogging because of that. And we went to Twitter because it seemed a little safer. Uh-huh. And it's like at first it seemed a little safer because we didn't have that many followers. But then as soon as you have more, it's like, oh, this is also madness. But at the same time, it's a little more controllable. The block feature works a little better yeah. on Tumblr. Tumblr is just like, I have literally 3,000 hate mail. That's what kind of stuff would happen. You would get hate messages. You know, and like they would post our stuff, you know, at 4chan and and Reddit and all that other stuff. So so basically call in people to harass us. Like this really happened to us like all the time. And eventually we just got tired of it and moved to like Twitter. Right. We thought that it was going to be. It's harder to be anonymous a little bit, I guess. But if anything, I mean, we just realized Twitter is kind of similar in a sense. And I mean, if anything, uh, now it's almost like there's more exposure and um, a lot more pilfering because of that exposure. Ah, okay. You know, like for us, visibility isn't necessarily like a good thing. Right. You know? So, yeah. But either way, it's been madness everywhere that we've been. I mean, even the hairboard, we were driven off of there by like a bunch of ain't shit dudes who suddenly joined out of nowhere. Like they had no business there. It was like mostly a women's board. Yeah. And like they just suddenly joined. And like they started with all their misogynist stuff and ran us off. You know, we went to Tumblr. We were run out. We were ran out of Tumblr, you know. Yeah. Uh, cause of like the whole harassment stuff. Now Twitter, it's like, we're all tired of Twitter too, for the same fucking reasons, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So we keep encountering the same shit in every space, to be honest. And like, nobody gives a fuck. And now they're talking about it cause some white girls are getting threats and not just any white girl, you know, uppity white girls. <laughs> this matters now. Well, like post Gamergate type <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, they tried all that shit out on, on us first. They've been doing that to us for like 10 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And now it's yeah. new to other people. Right. So, yeah, like the whole history of everything's been erased, basically. What? So, do you have any thoughts on like what people can do to combat that shit? I mean, like obviously not combat the combat the actual fucking asshole trolls, um, but also like I don't know. I, I have a, like, like how a can a person be a good ally type shit? Are you asking? No. Okay. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> 
That would <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't actually know what I'm asking either. I'm just like thinking like just how do how do we get rid of these fuckers? So we just I guess we have to kill them. Never mind. I don't know. They just went after some some, some judge, some big ass like federal judge or something. They just went after them. So maybe now somebody will do something about it. Right, right. Because they doxed somebody important. Oh, okay. But we'll it's see. A national, it's a threat to national security. Right. We'll see if anyone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. gives a fuck, however. Right. So, you know, we'll see. Oh, okay. Um, so, one thing that I want to. So, I've been thinking a lot about. Um, the idea of the first time I felt like a grown ass woman and, and I always feel like it's in my mind, it's always like weird and connected to economics. Like the, I feel like when I think of like the first time I felt like a grown ass fucking adult was like, Oh, when I like paid a bill, you know what I mean? But I don't want it to be connected to that. I want it to be more like what like how do you chronicle like getting older cuz I'm getting old so I'm just like it. when yeah <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> like how when was the first time you felt like a grown ass adult I think I realized that I was a grown ass woman like maybe a couple years ago to be honest and it was more about agency like wait a second I can say no to whatever the fuck I want I can say whatever the fuck I want. I can wear whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> you know, I can do whatever I want with my body. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like all these freaking lights went off, you know? But, like, that was a process. Because you spend your whole life with people, like, basically telling you you don't have a right to any of those things. Right, right, right. You know? Like, your public property or something. Right. Everybody else decides what the fuck they want for you. So, yeah, it was definitely about that. About being, like... I don't have to be nice to people I don't want to be nice to. Like, I don't have to, like, tiptoe around you. Like, I don't have to be polite if you're dipshit. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, it was, like, whoa. Like, I'm an adult now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, nobody even told me I could do that when I was an adult. Like, that's what trips me out. Like, I feel like I wasn't even raised to, like, see that as something I could even do. Not even as a grown woman. Even now, my family's, like, you're just so out there. You know, like. I'm not supposed to be all those things, mm -hmm. you know. I'm still supposed to be under somebody else's rule somehow, you know. So I guess that's like a, I don't know. Maybe they didn't intend that to be like my grown woman status, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> and it's awesome. That's really fucking awesome. I'm like, okay, I got to think more about this. Because <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> it, is, it is really a thing. I mean, well, also I felt like an adult in a way growing up just because like I had a lot of um like I had to take care of my mom in certain ways mm -hmm. and so I've and and now that I'm like in <clears throat> my 30s <laughs> um and I don't I guess I feel less like an adult maybe it maybe it is almost just because I I can do what I want and it's kind of the same thing that you said I guess like I I can do what I want and I couldn't as as a child adult, I couldn't do what I wanted, but now I'm like, yeah. So I'm having another childhood by like being, and it exactly. does that make sense? Like that makes total freaking sense. I feel like I went through the same stage. Like you know, I don't know. With me, it was like you know, the whole immigrant experience for me was like I was the oldest sibling. Oh. I was like the one who spoke English. Yeah, you were you know, the so heavy. I had to talk yeah. to everybody. I had to fill out all the paperwork. Yeah. Um. You know, I was the tech person too. 
Yeah. You know, I had to figure out all the technology because like, you know. So you I had this like, deep, heavy relationship with your siblings and right. your parents. So you were. And like play kind of like second mom when mom was like out working a billion fucking hours a day to like support us. So I don't know. I felt like I didn't really get to have fun. And then it was like, holy shit. Part of being an adult is like I can be silly and goof off and just like not worry about shit because like I'm grown now or yeah. something. And that's also huge. Right. You know, like. I can just fuck off now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, being an adult is the freedom to act like a tiny baby. <laughs> like, right. I mean, some people take that show a little too far. But. Well, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> a shook. <laughs> guess so. I guess so. I don't know. I guess. I guess most men just are told that they can do whatever they want when they're 18 years of age. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now you're a man and you can do whatever you want to whoever you want. <laughs> till you're dead um but i'm brown so it's a little different but yeah um i, I got nothing to say yeah <laughs> um so i think um that's about all we've we've run like 40 minutes right yeah let me let me run through some dumb ones what are your thoughts on pets <laughs> <laughs> shit i grew up with like 15 fucking pets in our get the Bronx fuck apartment. out of here you had like we were like birds so and shit country yo we oh. had birds running around we really did we had like little quails get the fuck around. out of here uh, we had a turkey oh man are you fucking rabbits, serious turtles dogs this was like cats. the first question we should ask you <laughs> bro we had like a fucking barn in that apartment Holy i don't know shit. my mom's just real country we really love fucking animals like i don't know we were nuts about that so oh man <laughs> yeah can you play with a turkey like how how does the turkey fare as a pet uh, same as chickens they actually right. make really cute pets i actually really know, like, I, I had pet chickens when you I around and stuff yeah you know, they're cute they're cuddly even though they look weird as fuck yeah yeah sometimes <laughs> in in uh, when i go back to india there's these guys who sell chicks uh, chicken babies for those that don't know i don't know why i explain that uh that they are dyed like hot pink and hot green right. and they stay that color for a long time until they shed those feathers mm-hmm. and become adult chickens and we we had one uh, i forget one was called herbie herb when i was n- i was nine one was herbie it was an 80s rapper yeah it was herbie herb was the neon green one and bob cody cody's chicken they used to sell those on ford on you there used to be a dude <laughs> with a box with a bunch of colored baby chicks you know what i'm saying selling them on ford and we we bought them several times <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like that's a wild. I feel like that's a great pet to illustrate life to a kid because they could pl- play with it for a while and then eventually that bird might be eaten. I feel, and I feel that's a nice circle oh, of life, oh, yeah. not getting too attached to things, being appreciative of things while they're there. A really a hard good life lesson is yeah. maybe. And I mean, the building I lived in, they had chicken coops upstairs, and they had cockfighting down in the basement. The I mean, fucking Bronx is insane. Right. It's completely insane. That's an economy. Like all this shit, you know, people <laughs> raising fucking farm animals out here. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like Latino people do that shit everywhere. Because, like, um, in Massachusetts, when I lived there, like, there was, like, this complex. It's, like, the projects. And, like, the Mexican folks, like, there would be, like, little chickens clucking around outside <laughs> in the winter. And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> 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 I can identify with this. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, my grandma um, stopped killing live chickens around the time I was like maybe seven, because I think it actually became cheaper to buy them. But yeah, yeah my mom that told her used to do that. Right? Yeah, like on yeah. some real shit. Like, got to take the chicken out in the back and cut its head off now. See you soon. Like yeah, she did that with a turkey at one point for Thanksgiving, and she was like, "Yeah, she bought it like a week before, 
and whatever we play with it whatever and then like you know it disappears and she's like i don't know i think it flew out the window (laughs) 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 that's funny bro it took me like eight years to figure out we ate it Uh, I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. Thank you for coming into our bizarre apartment. Thank you so much for having me.